blossom pretty and dear. Welcome to Season 4 of the Barfly Podcast. So My name is Jeff Berger, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group and author of the books 20 Years Behind Bars and its sequel, Parole Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Blum, editor of the online entertainment hub, The Marine Dish. So sit back and enjoy our little peek behind the hospitality industry crew. Oh, and don't forget to... Have a drink on me. We're here today with Gibson Thomas, the editor-in-chief of Edible Marin and Wine Country Magazine, who obviously I bonded over with her first name, Gibson. What a great name. We also bonded over our mutual dislike of a whiskey, which I won't mention, but it was just one of the funniest circumstances (laughs) of all time. Thank you for not mentioning it. <laughs> well, welcome, Gibson. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So we're, we're out of the pandemic now, it looks, or endemic, or whatever they're calling it. But that must have been hard, especially for a quarterly magazine like Edible. Surprisingly, one of the hardest things was distribution. We are a print magazine, and we have the digital version online, but I believe in print and love the print magazine, and we distribute through our advertisers and, of course, covering Marin, Napa, and Sonoma counties. We distribute in a lot of very high and hotels up in the wine country and there were prohibitions against putting anything like that that would be passed on between right. guests in the hotels. So my distribution at farmers markets at these hotels all really dried up and you know restaurants where people were going in still good earth markets in Marin their kind of eating area is still l- very limited. So we're still just slowly rebuilding our distribution point. Those type of restaurants are a little more sensitive. I was over in the East Bay at a couple of health food stores and boy, they, they're fully masked up at this point still. Still, yeah. yes. So we, I joke when we say we're out of the pandemic, but I mean, not for everybody. I sure hope we are. I, I have a couple of friends of mine, Fresh Victor, if you know yes, their uh, fresh cocktail mixes, yeah. which are delicious. H was a guest on the show just recently. Oh, is that yeah. right? Yeah. So they were just down at Expo and also the CEO of Urban Remedy was at Expo down in Anaheim and the Natural Foods Expo and they sent me photos and there were very few masks in Southern California. Well, it's weird, you know, because two years ago is when it started. My daughter's from L.A., and I remember going down there, and that was the first experience where I was wondering about wearing a mask in a grocery store. And, boy, things have changed in those two years. I've said in my letters from the editor in various issues over the past two years, I don't think we're all going to even be able to feel the impacts that this has had on our daily lives until we are truly out of it. Just that sort of, I'm a, a yogini for past 26 years and we do so much work to open up in yoga. And I think everyone has been carrying this sort of heart heavy, you know, where you feel very closed off. And I, I just today got an email that Miracle Plum, which is a wonderful small market up in Santa Rosa, they're starting to put on their monthly events again. Mm-hmm. They do tastings and things. So I reached out to the woman who for years put together my edible events calendar. And I said, let's think about doing an events calendar for our summer issue coming up. That would be really exciting to be able to... Well, to participate all around. I mean, I just did my first public event just the other day in a very long time. And I was a little nervous, which is, you got to get back into this. What part were you nervous about? You know, just showing up on time. You know, me, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) That's an inside joke. But no, I, I definitely, you know, people are excited to be back out there again. I mean, that was obviously apparent when 
restaurants were allowing folks back indoors again, but to do events, I know people are excited to do that right. or, you know, or actually do you know, wedding events, you right. know, in person. It's not a, a Zoom ceremony. So I, I like this idea of the summer events calendar, but if, okay, for something like that, since you are quarterly, how soon do you begin your planning process with something like that? Well, that's another way that COVID affected my business is it used to take, we would, we upload the magazine to our printer's website and it would take them one week to produce it and then they would ship it out via FedEx. My printer was in Virginia when I first started 13 years ago and now they're in a tiny town in New Hampshire. So it would take Federal Express a week to get it here. How many issues is 20, that? 20,000 copies of each <laughs> issue. So it's nine big pallets. And so it was a two week turnaround time. That's up to like three and a half weeks now. My summer issue, which is our 13th anniversary issue. Congratulations. Is Thank yeah. you. Big yeah big anniversary. I never thought that I would last this long or be at it this long and never I was a lawyer for many years before I started the magazines. I don't even know how to put together a magazine when I started. For the anniversary issue, it's supposed to get here on June the 1st, but I already have ad art deadlines and things out there with my advertising partners and so it will probably be the first week of June, but that means I need to have all the events in and uploaded to the printer, say May the 15th. Right. So it's two weeks out, but... But that's a big difference in, in this day and age, because things, I mean, as we learn with COVID, things can change on a dime. Yes. And th that's what it's nice to have both the online magazine where we upload the articles and things like our farmer's market guide, the mm -hmm. edible events guide, the eat local guide. Those are on our website and we can update those in real time more than just once a quarter. And the website is? www.edibleMarinAndWineCountry.com. And that's an and, the word and? Written out, yeah. A-N-D. I'm not even right. sure if an ampersand would work as a URL, but yes, written out. So again, it's trying to coordinate these things and, but that's the excitement of the media business in general is those events and those types of things and meeting people. And I, I mean, you're engaging, obviously, as a person. So that makes it we all do that when we're in media. You have to be right. But being unable to do that and locked in your room with your computer or whatever is difficult. Right. And I think, you know, like I said, there's a lot of excitement in the air. I can certainly feel it in the restaurant I work at and at the restaurant my, my daughter works at. She tells me about that all the time. And so it's 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 a great jumping off point here. I think it almost feels like the end of Prohibition, is what I think. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow, that would be exciting. Well, yeah. we said, you know, the roaring 20s, we're going to come back in 2021. Let's hope yeah. right. 2022 exactly. <laughs> is, the, is the time. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of pinup energy and a lot of appreciation for the difference in gathering together. I mean, the reason I do this magazine is because the people that we write about, the farmers, the cheesemakers, the distillers, the artisan brewers, those are my superheroes and just to get to be in community with them to visit where they're producing their goods to go out to restaurants and enjoy their wares that's what it's all about i did not do this to sit at home behind my computer and certainly not to sell ads right right <laughs> Well, how did you go from being an attorney to launching something like this? I was an attorney for about 10 years. When I moved to San Francisco coming up on 24 years ago in June, I read an article that Patricia Unterman, who owned yeah, Hay sure. Street Grill, mm -hmm. she had Good written writer herself. wonderful and such a wonderful person Patty is. And I, and I really attribute so much of sort of my life path over the past at least 
20 years to her, she had written an article about Slow Food, the organization that started in Italy when they were going to build a McDonald's at the base of the Spanish Steps. Mm-hmm. And people in the local area were like, not no, but hell no. <laughs> a McDonald's here. And there so, is a Playboy store at the bottom of the Spanish Steps now, by the way. Right? Yes, but anyhow. Yeah. But I have to say, I very ugly American thing years ago when I was in China and I was so in desperate need of good coffee that within the Forbidden City in Beijing, there was a Starbucks and I went to the Starbucks. <laughs> I think since then it's been removed. But for the most part, I, I try to keep it local and seasonal. But Patty Unterman had written this article about slow food. I read it and I'm like, those are my people. So I joined the local Marin County chapter. I was living in Sausalito at the time of slow food. I ended up taking the chapter over. What we did through slow food was we would put together events that would bring these same people that we write about now together. Hog Island Oyster, Brick Maiden Bakery, Cowgirl Creamer. We would bring them together with consumers. So I was doing that as a volunteer for eight years before I started the magazine, but I had been in a friend's wedding in the Hamptons in New York and I saw Edible East End and that is the Edible magazine that covers the Hamptons and I was just wowed by the magazine didn't look into it didn't realize it's a license you buy the license to cover a certain territory Mm -hmm. and six months later I was in Santa Fe with a friend from Marin and her mother put a copy of Edible Santa Fe in my guest room knowing what a, a food lover I was and again just loved it used this my Bible while I was in Santa Fe and went and visited all these small artisan craftspeople making food. And then there was a big gathering here, Slow Food Nation, which happened 2006, I think. And all the slow food leaders got together before it opened to the public. And it was there that I started talking to a couple of the other slow food leaders in their area across the country who also published the edible for their area. So I looked into it. Shockingly, there was not an edible that covered Marin, Napa, or Sonoma. So I bought the license to cover all three and do it in a magazine. So that was 13 years ago. Without knowing the first thing about With, any of it, right? Without knowing anything about wow. publishing uh, a magazine. And I will say, people said, like, why would you pay the license fee? Why don't you just create a magazine on your own? But mm-hmm. Edible Communities is a really wonderful organization. Now there are about 100 edible publications across the U.S. and in three or four in Canada now. Everyone is super supportive. There's an edible San Francisco. There's an edible East Bay, Mm -hmm. edible Silicon Valley in our area. People are very supportive, very helpful. I had a lot of help when I got started and I didn't have to educate some of the people like Calgold Creamery was already advertising in edible San Francisco and edible D.C because they had a small cheese shop in Washington, D.C. So you're not reinventing the wheel, right? Exactly. So that people knew the ethos of the magazine, so they trusted me. But I speak to a lot of prospective publishers now, and I tell them, you, you know, they might come in and they've been a writer, or they've published another magazine. I say, that doesn't matter at all. You can figure that out. What matters is that you are an active member of the community. You can't do it from afar. Mm -hmm. You can't move to a new place. People have to trust you. I was already such a big fan and promoter and community member with these food producers that they really did trust me that I was going to do a good job 
with the magazine. And, you know, we turn down ads if they're not following our guidelines, like a GMO farmed salmon. We're not mm-hmm. going to put them in the magazine, right. no matter how much we need the ad revenue. So I think you we've kept our integrity for 13 years, and that's been the difference. Well, I always remember in, in, when I was in, in college, and we're taking magazine ethics, which seems mm-hmm. kind of, you know, strange. I was always warned the ethics are on the, on the part of the journalist, not on the part of the other people, because they have no they have no compunction against doing that. They're right. running a business. Right. And as a journalist, you always have to do that. So not all magazines do that where they have an they That's you know, the truth. <laughs> you know, money is money. And yeah, so yeah. 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 and so certainly in, in the lifestyles magazines, it's refreshing to see a magazine that has an ethical stance as opposed to just a marketing vehicle for, you know, whoever. I think, you know, the people that we cover are in this because their heart is in it. The farmers, the the cheesemakers, the bakers, the restaurateurs, no one's getting rich doing that. (laughs) So they have an ethical standard. It's a lifestyle standard. It it is my own standard. And I feel like this magazine is really my dharma. I feel like it's, you know, it's a free magazine. And we want to get it out to as many people as possible. And I've had one advertiser in 13 years get angry with us because we covered a very high-end restaurant that had just opened in Healdsburg. It was the number one restaurant in the country that year. So we would have been remiss not to cover it. They they farm a lot of their own food and they cook in a very conscious way. But this advertiser is up in Sonoma County and reached out and said, I can't believe you covered them. We've got issues with affordable housing, with farm worker rights. And I said, you know, our entire next issue is about immigration Mm -hmm. and issues around immigration. And there are niche publications on both ends. There's Wine Spectator right. that is covering just <laughs> high-end, right. you know, the screaming All the people. wines you can't buy. Exactly, right. the world. And then there are things, there are other magazines that are just about organics, just about biodynamics. And frankly, I don't even read those. I feel like our mission is to get the same people who care about the French Laundry or other high-end restaurants also to have to read about farm worker rights, to have to read about GMOs in our foods, uh, about immigration issues. And I don't want to turn off a whole segment of the population because it's too one-sided in either direction. A lot of those those more glossy kind of lifestyle magazines, it's always the celebrity chef or the owner. And, and a lot of times those people aren't even actually at the restaurant as much as right. as you would think they would be. So it's nice to, to, again, to empower the little the little guy, the working guy, the working stiff who's there every day, who believes in what they're doing and is trying to do the best that they can. Where can you pick up Edible and how do you subscribe? You can subscribe on the website. You can either do that with a credit card or send us a check, but all the information is on the website. And you pick it up we really start with our advertising partners you can pick it up there and there's a map on our website for that but local farmers markets uh, small restaurants that support local producers it's also at nugget markets palace market and point Reyes station mill valley mark and it's around you can you'll find it right now but subscribe and have it mailed to your house there we go (laughs) (laughs) wise words well thanks for being on the show gibson my pleasure thank you so don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today. Please join us next time. We we'll welcome Anna Elias and Nancy Down Moody of Lifehouse, who are hosting the return of the best party in Marin County, the Great Chefs and Wineries event on April 23rd. My name is Jeff Burkhardt. Thanks for listening.